For WCYB Digital Radio, I'm Paul John Spaulding. Joining me is Alain Gai, founder and CEO of Secure, a Swiss-hosted email, messenger, and VPN. To learn more about our sponsor, visit secure.com. That's S-E-K-U-R.com. Alain, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me. I wanted to talk with you about election security, specifically in the context of emails, because we have some elections coming up here in the U.S. It's important for election officials, political campaigns, and anyone involved in the election process to be aware of security issues related to email, since they may hold sensitive information like voter data, for example. Alan, I was hoping you could add more context and also talk about the most common email security threats that election officials and political campaigns face. Uh, Yeah, so... When it comes to email, whether it's a business or a political campaign, I mean, we all know that a lot of these big email providers have been compromised in many ways. And most importantly, especially in the U.S., our emails are being sold all the time to third parties for data. And that's where the root cause of everything is. Actually, technically, the concept of email is you're going to send an email to somebody When it leaves your server, it's no longer secure. It's like an open postcard. I just did a 10-day roadshow in Florida and was explaining that to a lot of people who have no idea how email works. So that's already the first red flag. Sometimes if you deal with some banks, you'll see that they have an email that you have to log in and decrypt and sign into it. And then you kind of log in and watch the email. That's another system that's cumbersome. Most politicians don't use that, obviously. So the root cause is how email works. And the other thing is we're data mined every day. So if you're a politician, most likely you are what we call a person of interest, a POI. And that means you're being sniff packeted, as we say, and all your communication is being monitored by hackers, uh, whether they work for the opposing party or just people who just want to steal your information It could be a rogue international state trying to find out the policies of the future elected person and so forth. They have huge ramifications. And I think in 2020, we heard about some of that in the presidential election. So you definitely want to use a system that is not open like that. So if you're a politician, you're already targeted and your emails are being snooped. 91% of all hacks start with email. It's funny, I actually have that as my second question I was going to bring up to you because I did want to talk a bit more specifically about what you believe is the point of entry for these cyber criminals. And that stat you just mentioned is from Deloitte, and they found that 91% of all cyber attacks begin with a phishing email. So is it phishing? Is that what you're seeing? Is it other issues as well? Maybe you could break that down a bit more for us. Yeah, it's email phishing. Or sometimes it could be, for example, a lot of people use these messaging applications you're going to get a link from USPS. That's a famous one lately. You click on it and it's a malware that comes in and just clicks to something banal. Meanwhile, the hackers now have all the data on your phone. And because these free messaging applications require your phone number to have, I'm not going to name them because we all use the same two or three application or even a, a text, they can get into your phone and to your contact list. And from there, they can get your email address and so forth. So yes, so it's basically email phishing, smishing, that's another one for messengers, also IP hacking. So they'll know your IP address and they'll watch what you're surfing, where you go. So it's essentially information collection. This is 
what we tell people when we talk about secure is to prevent all of that. It's email messenger, your IP address and so forth. It's a collection of data. And from there, they can make a profile about you and slowly get into your systems and your entire communication. Something interesting I wanted to bring up, and this is actually a headline from last year in CNN. This was from March 2022. And CNN said, hackers attempted to breach email accounts of election officials in nine states. That was actually according to the FBI. And again, the reason I'm talking about election security is I'm seeing that as maybe something really important timely, because that's what's coming up in November for all over the United States. Alon, I'm trying to think, how can these people actually go about protecting themselves? Because this issue is not going to stop, whether it's through, it could be a chat app, as you say, could be through all these different vectors. So I'm trying to think about how can people protect themselves? And I am talking about in the context of businesses as well, because that is our primary audience here. Absolutely. So besides reducing your social media foot traffic and everything, a concrete way, what we do at Secure, for example, is first of all, we don't data mine anything. And that already reduces leaks that could happen. The other thing is our, both our email and messaging applications have a closed loop system. The concept at the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned how email works. You send an email over the open internet and the other person gets it, even if it's encrypted with some PGP technology, mostly open source, which is also hacked by, by most hackers by now because you have millions of people who worked on the same code, so they all know it. What we do is we essentially keep the communication in our Swiss servers in Switzerland where we host everything. So we have the Swiss data privacy laws. We don't data mine you. So there's a level of privacy there that few, if any other person, company can guarantee. And so let's say, Paul, you're somebody. I'm the politician. I'm going to send you an email and you don't have secure. Essentially, I can use a feature called secure send, which sends you notification to click on a link. I can password protect that, I can read limit, and I can put an expiration for the email as well so it will disappear after X amount of time or days. So you, Paul, you click on it and you suddenly read my email and you can also download attachments. We have no limit, so I can send huge megabyte attachments, which normally you wouldn't be able to do in the normal emails out there. And then you can secure reply, which is kind of interesting because it's so easy to use you don't need to register to secure or download anything. You just use secure reply and then that email gets back to me. Now that whole transaction happened in the highly multiple redundant secure server environment. So nothing went over the internet, over the cyberspace, so to speak. So there's nobody that can fish it. If you're a person of interest, nobody will see that communication. And we do the same with our messenger where First of all, we never ask for your phone number because that's the first point of entry. When you use these messaging app or text, which we all do, the phone number is the first entry point to get into your device. And from there, they wreak havoc. So we never require your phone number. So you're basically invisible and you're in a stealth mode. You know, somebody would need to know your secure number and so forth. And even then, you have to be able to accept them. So if I use secure messenger and you don't, same thing, you get a text message or an email to click on a link. It opens a browser on your device, you and I chat. And when I terminate the conversation, it disappears from everywhere. So the thing is, if you're in the banking industry and maybe some politician, you will need to archive that. We have an archiving feature. And lastly, our third element of protection is our VPN. 
And the reason why I say that is that we're the only company that uses Swiss IPs only. In Switzerland, it's illegal to divulge the IP of a customer because your internet protocol, your IP address is considered private property. So you mask yourself, you're not visible. It's the whole idea of being stealth and invisible to hackers or your adversaries. And that's what we do at Secure. We have all sorts of people using it. Businesses definitely are using it now. I'm sure if some politician would know about it, they would use it because it protects their communication and keeps it within whoever needs to read it, but not the hackers that can divulge everything. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. Secure Private Data Limited is a cybersecurity and internet privacy provider of Swiss hosted solutions for secure and private communications. The company distributes a suite of encrypted emails, secure messengers, secure VPN, and other secure communication tools. Secure's privacy solutions serve consumers, businesses, and governments worldwide, offering a 100% Swiss hosted private communications platform, no data mining, and no big tech hosting. Secure has been putting data privacy back in consumers' hands since 2007. Learn more at secure.com. That's S-E-K-U-R.com. And now back to the podcast. Alon, we've talked a lot about open source versus closed source. And again, as you've mentioned, Secure is closed source. And I was looking at an article, and actually you were in the article from Benzinga, and you recounted about the GoDaddy breach of 2022. And as anyone probably listening knows, GoDaddy offers email and website hosting services. And you shared that using an open source piece of software was a disadvantage for them. And you can expand more upon that if you want to, even though we we have touched upon it. But I'm curious if there are other things you're seeing with other hosting solutions for email that are maybe less advantageous, even though in perhaps the public eye or to maybe these SMBs that aren't as intimately familiar with these technologies, they might not realize, hey, actually something they're touting as a pro is actually going to be a con, depending on who you are. Yes. So I'll touch two seconds on open source and then also on third-party hosting of your solution. So open source was a great concept 20 years ago when developers were freely validating technologies. And then you had the Microsoft camp and the open source or Linux camp. Today, you have hackers that are hiding. So first of all, even if you're a good person and you're working on a code on open source, you may not have the kind of knowledge that is required to really secure that code. So there's millions of people working on open source and they're not all great coders. That's one thing. The other thing is the hackers, they can mask themselves as good people, white hat hacker as opposed to black hat, and essentially put malware in those codes. It's kind of like saying, I know, the Coca-Cola formula got open to everybody to tinker with. You wouldn't want to do that because you lose quality control, obviously. And in this case, in the code, you lose security control and so forth. So you have a camp that swears by open source and you have others that understand. There was a few articles that mentioned that 99.9% of all hacks are done on open source. And most of the software or applications that you would use are open source because it's cheap to build. It's off-the-shelf coding. It's very expensive to do your own code. What we do is we use high standard of transfer encryption or encryption at rest 
like 256 AES or 2048-bit for transfer. And then we wrap around, we put several wrappers, as we say, on our own technology on top of it. So that's a huge thing. And also the other thing is that if you have your solutions hosted by a third-party provider, most people don't have a choice because you got the big four companies that are the big cloud companies. They also suffer breaches or incident, and they also data mine everything that they own. When you data mine and sell the data to third or fourth party, this is where the leaks and the cracks happen. So there's not a whole lot of choice out there. This is one of the reasons, by the way, why people come to us, because they know that nobody's looking at the data and there's some sort of encryption that the others won't have, and there's definitely privacy with it. You sell to businesses primarily as part of Secure, but you also, a consumer, can just go on and sign up for Secure. And something I'm trying to think about, and you've brought this up before, a person of interest, someone of high value where attackers might be targeting them, but sometimes with a journalist or certain people who are keeping things separate of maybe their company or they have other communication channels, do you think there's any benefit to going outside of the popular emails, the Gmails, and all these other things? Not that they're bad, of course. Again, I'm trying to think of a journalist, someone in a high-stakes situation sharing sensitive info. Would they benefit from something like Secure or similar? They, they would. And I want to debunk a myth. I hate to do that. But there's a lot of people using a company called ProtonMail, which has been hacked twice and does use open source and is funded by the EU grants. So one of the things, there was in fact a journalist, an activist, an environmental activist in France that Proton gave all his logs to the French police. Now, this guy didn't commit a crime or anything like that. And Proton claimed before they changed since that they never logged the entries, which is not true. So, you know, you have to watch. I hear a lot that name. Of course, for enterprise, they don't really have a solution. But for consumers, as you mentioned, a journalist just need one account. So definitely journalists, obviously enterprises. Uh, and the fact that we have this secure send, secure reply feature essentially hides all your communication from the open internet. So if you're investigating something, definitely you want to do that. Consumers buy our solution every day. Uh, we have now small businesses, real estate company, financial industry, and we're launching actually end of November, a full enterprise suite for big telecom companies we have in Latin America and for enterprises. One last thing I should mention about executives, you know, and businesses using our solution. Until now, you had this big company, let's say, with a thousand employees, and then the, the C-level executives wanted to migrate to us, but they don't want to have the at secure.com email. They want to maintain the same domain as their company. And then the IT department would say, everybody loves using Office 365 and Outlook. They're used to it. And we can't migrate a thousand people to secure. So now what we do is we have what we call an inbound email relay. We're the only ones doing that, where if you are an executive of a big company, essentially maybe even a hundred people or whatever, to thousands, you can basically migrate the executives to our system while keeping everybody else on your Office 365 or G Suite, people with low communication type uh, function, and then you can still maintain your domain. So essentially your domain is hosted by two people in a nutshell. It sounds easy, but it took, <laughs> it 
took a while to do that. So if I'm the CEO of General Electric, I can be with Secure and have my at GE.com email and the other 100,000 people can still use the ISP Microsoft, but all their emails are going to sift through our system and only the ones that have that email really will be using the real secure platform, which comes with a lot more gig per storage. It comes with a secure send feature, which everybody wants, and it eliminates and reduces drastically email phishing and so forth, and definitely keeps your communication private. So that's something huge that we're going to publish probably in the next month or two. And uh, that's part of our enterprise solution because we have a lot of demand for that and we're working on it. We have three banks waiting for this. So the big thing with consumers even, I'll tell you two stories before we finish. A consumer, an elderly lady was buying a condo in New York. She wired the first payment to her lawyer. Everything was fine. The second payment, she put a $740,000. She received an email from her lawyer to wire the money. The money went to hackers. What happened there? Business email compromised. The lawyer was probably being surveyed, snooped, and then the hackers made a fake email that went to the customer, and the money is now gone. It's a very sad story because she lost pretty much her life saving, and she's suing the lawyer. That's at a small level, not that small in terms of amount, but as a consumer and as businesses, you have people wearing money all day long, instructions to buy supplies, to pay invoices. And this is where business email compromise become a huge thing. In 2021, the FBI got 22,000 complaints about business email compromise. I'm sure there's three times the amount now. And that's the kind of world we live in. You got to watch what you do. You have to use precautions and so forth. I mean, I appreciate you sharing that story, and I believe we've talked about that before as well. And the problem with it is I, I hate hearing it because it's such a sad story to relay, but it is important for people to, to know about these things, I believe. So I do appreciate you sharing that. Uh, with pleasure. Unfortunately, it happens often, and I think people need to be aware. The awareness campaign is what we need to do, and that's the best thing we can do. Alan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and thank you, Paul, for having me. For WCYB Digital Radio, I'm Paul John Spaulding. Joining me today was Alain Gai, founder and CEO of Secure, a Swiss-hosted email, messenger, and VPN. To learn more about our sponsor, visit secure.com. That's S-E-K-U-R.com. You can keep up with all of our media at cybercrimemagazine.com.